What's up guys, welcome back to the Daily Snap. Today I wanted to take a look at a deck that has been remaining and hovering around the uh, tier list the last couple weeks, which is MODOK Discard, or just Discard in general, but I call it MODOK Discard because without MODOK, deck's just not the same. Um, this very much is a, kind of a budget deck, you know, MODOK being the only series five card currently that should go to a series four card this one but he was also the season pass card so many should you know have him from a couple months ago but if you're not and he drops down to a series four this month and you're really like into the dracula discard strategy then this you know this card might be your you know your pick of the month for your series four options um because it's a really solid deck in the game it has a lot of ways to just outpower your opponents and I just wanted to give it a little bit of a limelight because we haven't really featured it on the channel in quite some time. So I wanted to talk about MODOK and, you know, give you a general concept of why this deck is still succeeding, its strengths, its weaknesses, the general game plan of it, and all of those interchangeable things that you might like and enjoy. So without further ado, let's get into the deck list for our audio listeners. We're going to read it out loud. Sunspot, Morbius, Wolverine, Swarm, Colleen Wing, Lady Sif, Swordmaster, Dracula, Hellcow, Modoc, Apocalypse, and American Chavez. General game plan is, of course, get your Sunspot out there on one. Then we have Morbius on two, Lady Sif on three, Dracula on four, Modoc on five, and of course, turn six is Chavez and Swarms discarding the apocalypse to the dracula in the end game uh has a lot of straightforward gameplay which is what i love and enjoy um you know similar to sherry in a lot of ways where you just have a sculpted gameplay and you're just gonna go with it you know your best cards are morbius and dracula here because they almost are always under shang chi until the final turn so if you find yourself in behind in priority, it's not that big of a deal. If you put yourself ahead of priority, you can have to worry a little bit, you know, if your uh, Morbius goes over to the 10 power line. But even as a 2-8, in a lot of situations, Morbius is just way above curve. But, I mean, you can very easily get Morbius to a 2-10, a 2-12, even sometimes like a 2-14, which is ridiculously insane. But it can happen if the triggers work in your favor a lot of ways. Um... So just something to note and something to be weary of like when you're playing against this deck is that Morbius is an absolute threat. It is always Morbin time when he is in play. So definitely be cognizant of that. Uh, the Dracula is one of the toughest cards in the game to play against. It's really only weakness is um, Magneto, kind of. So Magneto is able to move it off the lane that you may think you're securing to the win. But with the ability to have Swarms and um, American Chavez in the final turns, you can kind of manipulate your board state pretty well, so you can hopefully get around that. But as it stands right now, the ability of Dracula just doesn't have a weakness. This deck as a whole has a weakness to Leech, uh, because if your opponent has priority going into the Modoc turn and they Leech you, well, the sad news is that you're not going to get your Swarms back, you're not going to get your Apocalypse back, and your Dracula at best is only going to be a 9 from American Chavez, and it also means you're not playing a single card in the final turn. So, uh, But aside from that, Dracula just doesn't have a lot of interaction in the game. 
not a lot of ways to get around him. The only other thing I can think of is Negasonic, where Negasonic, if you can time it well, play it on the right lane that they're playing their Dracula, you can get you know you can snipe the Dracula that way. But realistically, this this card is one of the most powerful cards in Marvel Snap because there's just not any way to really interact with it once it's in play. So great general gameplay. Uh, just for some card alternatives for you guys. You know, you could play um, Moon Knight over Swordmaster, and you can also just sub out Sunspot nowadays for Lockjaw. Give a little bit more creative to the deck. Um, it is a little, a lot more RNG involved when you're playing the Lockjaw because, obviously, you know, sometimes this deck doesn't play cards on turn three if you don't have the like optimal hand. So like if you have, you know, your Lady Sif in your hand, but you don't have Apocalypse and your like top card ends up being like Dracula, well then you shouldn't play your Lady Sif because you don't want to discard your Dracula. We're not a Ghost Rider deck, we're not a Hella deck, we can't afford to lose our Dracula. So we end up more often than not like skipping turn three, which is why the Sunspot is still good in a lot of situations, because it's gonna not like it's not like this game is looking to fill off curd plays. It's more or less just having the ability to always play in a line. And yes, your best lines are more powerful, but you also just don't want to discard your Dracula to Lady Sif pretty much ever. Um, sometimes you're going to gamble, you know, if you have a couple different things similar to like the Colleen Wing. Like if you have Colleen Wing in your hand and you have Morbius, Wolverine, and Swarm, then yeah, you can gamble to, you know, you have a one, you know, a one out of three chance or two thirds chance to not hit your Morbius. So you can gamble. But it's almost always better to play your Morbius on two and just get him out there and then play Colleen Wink later in curve. Um, that's at least my way of playing uh, you know, playing the card. So just a little weary that if you do add in the Lockjaw, you want to play the Lockjaw version, it does add a fair amount more of RNG to it, and that can be definitely problematic. Um, let's take a look at the strengths and weaknesses. Alright, so some of the strengths of this deck are Synergy, large expensive units that start with a low power and low uh, and slowly increase strength over time. One unit, Dracula or, Mo or Morbius, can get, dominate a lane, forcing overcommitments by opponents and allowing you to spread out. Which that, you know, since all of these cards are uh, undercosted and overstatted because the cost of discarding a card feels so dramatic in a game with really relatively no draw power you know cards like morbius and cards like dracula having the ability to just end up being 10 power 12 power 16 power you know and things like that in two of each of your lanes you can very easily win another lane with just like colleen wing and swarms uh hell cal and some swarms you're gonna have your american chavez to finish the game so it's really great at just overall power you know across the board and you can really leverage a way to win three lanes and force opponents into bad positions trying to outpower you in just two when you very easily can have enough power you know innately throughout the game um good for comebacks opponents caught off guard by zero power cards that quickly grow to high power you know very often you know your opponent's like oh he is only going to get to four power on his morbius so it's not a big deal i can stay in this game you know there are games where you don't play modok which is a big deal but what ends up happening is on the final turn you know you're like okay swarm swarm 
uh, Colleen, you know, Colleen Wing or Wolverine, whatever, not the best example, but uh, you can also then play Hellcal. So, like, as long as you remove all these cards from your hand, you know, your Hellcal is still going to discard two cards, your Dracula is still going to discard a third card, and then all of a sudden your Morbius, you know, uh, and your Colleen Wing also might have discarded cards. So all of a sudden your two-power Morbius went to ten power on the final turn because your opponent wasn't expecting you to be able to discard that many cards, and then all the while you're still pumping up your Apocalypse to a 12 or a 16, so then your Dracula's just ends up being a 16 or a 20 uh, because of the interaction there. So, again, this has a great a great way to compete against a lot of decks uh, and just really catch people off guard. Um, although this deck follows linear play patterns, making a bigger apocalypse by deviating from the usual strategy, uh, it can be a game-winning move. So, you know, not often do you plan on playing the Galactus or playing the apocalypse, but what ends up happening is that your opponent knows what the power level of your apocalypse is in your Dracula lane. So they're like, all right, I'm just going to like, get away from that like i can't i can't beat that dracula lane so if early in the game you had just played a colleen wing on there your four power colleen wing might end up being good enough to win the lane and if you can realize that and you don't think your opponent's going to gamble then you can play up your 16 power apocalypse to the board and just win another lane with your apocalypse uh it doesn't happen often but if you want to gamble sometimes and that's the best way to win a game is just gambling on the fact that they can't beat dracula it's not a bad idea to just play your gigantic apocalypse, guys. Um, every card you play has the ability to have a great power-to-cost ratio. As I said earlier, this deck is very affordable to new players with only higher series card being MODOK, as I said in the beginning. Uh, this is a wonderful deck that just play, and once MODOK hits series 4 and it becomes you know truly obtainable to players at a, at a pretty fair rate at cost, this is a really nice deck, and it's a... He is the core to any discard deck. Yes, you can play versions with uh, Ghost Rider and Hela and things like that, but the RNG involved with those decks are way worse than this deck. Um, so overall, if you like the discard you know, side of things, he, this is a really good option, and MODOK is going to be a great Series 4 card for you to buy. The weaknesses of this deck, uh, in some situations, you may be forced to play cards that could discard your future win conditions such as swordmaster discarding modok uh as i said before i generally you know i weigh the, the pros and cons and just do mathematics if like if i have four cards in my hand like let's say i colleen wing and i hit the swarm and they have two extra cards in my hand because the swarm on three i could you know you can definitely consider playing your swordmaster if your hand is like dracula swarm swarm uh apocalypse something else like it's like, okay, like, the only card I don't want to hit is my Dracula, so I can I can gamble on the 80% chance that I don't hit my Dracula, which would be ideal. Um, and then it just puts you even further ahead in the game. The problem is that, like, this could be leading to just a flat loss, which also doesn't really help, and that's definitely problematic as well. Uh, very draw-dependent. Playing cards out of order can disrupt the cheaper cost strategy. Inconsistent ability to get into closed lanes. Uh, Wolverine is basically your only way. Uh, this deck is vulnerable to disruption cards, especially Polaris and Arrow, that can move. Um, you know, Polaris definitely sucks. Arrow definitely sucks. Uh, it's a lot better now that she only moves one card. So like, as long as you're playing Swarms in the final turn, you're gonna get your Chavez where you need it. 
that's important, but be weary of how you're playing your cards also, of course. Um, no interaction with your opponent plays. Yeah, so like you don't have any tech cards in this game. They just don't exist. Um, there are some versions that play, you know, like Black Bolt or play Modoc, or I'm sorry, um, not Modoc, Moon Knight. So that is like your only real disruption. But generally speaking, right now, in the current versions, you don't have room for Shang-Chi because you don't have time for Shang-Chi, honestly. Like, it's just the play line doesn't really exist. And because the play line doesn't really exist, you can't afford to play it. It's just not worth it. You're much better off trying to outpower your opponents in game than to try and tech them out. Uh, but this can lead to problems, of course. Like, sometimes Sherry is just going to Sherry and they're going to outpower you. However, I will say that this is one of the decks in the game that absolutely can contend with Sherry if you guess your two lanes right, um, you know, as opposed to their two lanes, because Sherry is only ever competing for two lanes, and you're generally competing for all three, but if you're able to lock down a specific lane and know what your power is going to be in, and then correctly predict their second lane, then you have the ability to, like, actually match them in power pretty well, you know, just specifically against the... Um, you know, against the the Red Skull lane, where you can just easily put, you know, two swarms in there, and then you have two zero four swarms, that's eight power that they're probably not expecting more often than not, so that definitely helps, but nonetheless, uh, this deck is really sweet, you know, in general, Morbius uh, and MODOK and Apocalypse has just really grown to be a a really strong and formidable card and deck and synergy wise on the tier list each week the last three weeks it's found a, a bit of a home on it it's definitely not you know a tier one deck or it's not a, a an s tier deck no but it is a tier two deck and it's pretty affordable uh to anyone any player that already a has modok or hopefully by the end of this month where modok goes down to a series four card you know this is this will be a deck for people to be able to pick up and play um, and it's fun. It's, you know, it's really simple. It's really easy, but it's fun to see those Morbius numbers. It's fun to see those Dracula numbers. Um, it really does get out of hand. Sinister London is a card that you absolutely love in this deck. Uh, Onslaught Citadel is another one with your double Morbius and things like that. But the deck can definitely get out of hand. And it's, it's, de it's a nice deck for just about anyone to be able to play because of how straightforward it is in its game set. Uh, and its mindset for the game in general. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this guide. I plan on doing more deck breakdown guides for decks that are on the tier list that I may not have covered in quite some time. And I think it had been basically since the first week of February since I talked about MODOK on the channel. So I wanted to give a bit of an update on him, give you guys, you know, the information that's important, that he is still very relevant. He's definitely more relevant than Nimrod. So He's absolutely survived this far as a season pass card, and he's he's just a fun, viable option if you're just looking to do something different. I also assume your discard quest is going to pop up this week, and the first thing you're going to look for is, man, what do I, what discard deck do I play? Well, this is a wonderful deck to play in those because it actually has the ability to win you cubes rather than just put 10 discard cards in a thing and lose a couple cubes because you just want to complete a quest. May as well play a deck that can actually help you win some games. So check this one out. Uh, as of course, it's always right below me is the six decks that hit infinite on day one it is great it has a lot of different uses for decks that you might be looking for to hit infinite that are different 
a little bit different from the norm. Going to have another video like that coming up on, on the channel this week. I'm talking about six new decks that I found that I think are really great choices to hit infinite. But for now, check that one out below. Catch you guys in the next video. See ya.